Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. We just think we're so smart and clever, especially when it comes to church stuff. We can out-strategize Jesus. He's like, no, 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 just go do this. Okay, but we're going to come up. I'm not saying plans are bad. Please understand me. I'm not saying plans are bad. But I wonder how many blessings, I wonder how many promises we, and even as churches, we've missed out on because we've, God has told us to do something, but we're like, well, we got to form a plan. We got to form a committee before we do this. No, just trust them and just go with it. Sometimes our hearts can say that we are smarter than God, causing us to plan our own lives out. In today's message, Pastor James says that we oftentimes think that our way is right. He says that we have to trust God's plan, that it's greater than anything we could ever imagine. That means sometimes all we have to do is sit, be patient, and trust God. We have to trust that He'll provide all things, and that in the end, everything we pray and ask for will be taken care of according to His will for our life. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers, chapter 13, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Turn to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to be teaching out of the New Living Translation. I just can't say enough about this uh, translation, especially when it comes to numbers. And you got names and numbers and all this stuff. My Bible puts it in a nice little category kind of box. It simplifies it, and I love it. We're going to get into chapter 13, 13 and 14, technically. And this is where, um, this is kind of where everything changes for the nation of Israel. They've come out of Egypt They've been rescued. They've been delivered from bondage in Egypt, and they're kind of just hanging out. And, and they've been on the move a little bit, taking some strides here and there. But now they're going to be about 50 miles or so. I mean, they're, they're technically like on the doorstep of the promised land. This is like it. Chapter 13 is where everything can go really good or it can go really bad. They're on the, the doorstep of... God's promise. And it is completely up to them on whether or not they're going to embrace it. Okay. Spoiler alert. They blow it. They blow it. This, this book would be really short if they didn't blow it. Right. I'm like we, the book of numbers and Deuteronomy wouldn't be as long if they just went right into the promised land. Then you go right into the book of Joshua, but they being just like me, sometimes delay what God has, has planned for me all along. Okay. Verse one, chapter 13, the Lord said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land that I'm given to the Israelites. Then one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So you got 12 tribes of Israel. God tells Moses, go ahead and send out, you know, pick a guy from each tribe. Here's the problem. This is not God's idea. Okay. This is not his idea. Right? And this is, how, this is why we love the, the entirety of the word of God. The chapter, chapter 13 in Numbers kind of gives us a little snapshot of what's happening. But if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 1, you'll see that the idea for spies was never God's plan. Was never his plan. Why? Because he said, I have a place for you. 
go into the promised land. It was the children of Israel who said, we need to send spies. Why? Because they did not trust God. They did not trust him. They didn't trust his word. They didn't believe his word. I'll prove it to you. Deuteronomy chapter one, verse 19. You can look, you can turn over there. Just the next book over. So in Deuteronomy 19, this is kind of like a, a, a looking back onto this, this event. Verse 19 of Deuteronomy chapter one says this. Then just as the Lord, our God commanded us, we left Mount Sinai, traveled through the great and terrifying wilderness as you yourselves remembered, and headed to the hill country of the Amorites. When we arrived at Kadesh, Kadesh Barnea, I said to you, you have now reached the hill country of the Amorites that the Lord your God is giving us. Look, he has placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. It's your land. Go occupy. This is Moses reminding them. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Verse 22, but, but, beware of the buts in the Bible. But you all, y'all came to me and said, first, can I tell you that's a bad way to start a conversation after hearing a promise of God. But first, no, 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 no. It's obedience. Go occupy. Go take what he has promised you. Mm, that's a good idea, God. However, we kind of got together and formed a committee, a committee, and we've come up with a better plan than you, all-knowing God. That's stupid, right? Like, that is the dumbest thing in the world. But why do we do that? Why do I do that? Why do I? God presents to me, this is what I have for you. And I look at that and I say, well, I got another idea. Like, dumb, like that's, why do I do that? But I I find myself doing that at times. They said, but you, you all came to me and said, first, let's send our scouts or our spies to explore the land for us. They will advise us on the best route to take and which towns we should enter. So it seems logical. It seems strategic. Sometimes there's a place for strategy in working, you know, in following the Lord and doing work for the Lord. And then sometimes it's just like straight up, just obedience. Just go do it. It doesn't matter where you enter. It's your land. It doesn't matter what town you go into. He's already promised you victory. And we get so smart. We just think we're so smart and clever, especially when it comes to church stuff. We can out-strategize Jesus. And he's like, no, 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 just go do this. Okay, but we're going to come up. I'm not saying plans are bad. Please understand me. I'm not saying plans are bad. But I wonder how many blessings, I wonder how many promises we, and even as churches, we've missed out on because we've, God has told us to do something, but we're like, well, we got to form a plan. We got to form a committee before we do this. No, just trust him and just go with it. Like if you have him and his word, just go for it. I think we talk ourselves out of a lot of things sometimes. Here's the children of Israel. They're like, Moses tells them, he's been telling them for like two years, God has a place for you. This is your land. It belonged long before to your forefathers. And God's going to go before you. 
And there are enemies. Yes, there are enemies. He already told them there were enemies in the land. And he was going to take care of them. All you got to do is just go into it. And they're like, well, but what if we send spies? Moses, he goes on to say in Deuteronomy 1, 23, he says, it seemed like a good idea to me. All right? Here's Moses. He's like, well, that's kind of smart, right? Like, again, I believe Moses was a, a fantastic leader. But sometimes, man, you, you just, Moses, just listen to the Lord. Just go with what God said, okay? Go with what God said. He says, it seems like a good idea to me. I chose 12 scouts, one from your tribes. And they, they went into the land and they come back with this report that really is just a report of discouragement. Jump back into Numbers 13. I wanted to provide that context so we can understand this. So when Numbers 13 verse 1 says, the Lord is saying, send out the men. This is the Lord saying, okay, this is how you want it. I'll give you what you want. Not always a good thing. Oh, this is what you want. You want this more than what I have to offer to you? Okay, I know how it turns out, but if that's what you want, then okay. I'll give you what you want. I've used this illustration before, but you have the dad with the daughter goes into a gas station. and They got the gas station toys, the gas station dolls. They're not that great. Lower quality stuff, right? And the daughter wants that doll. And he's like, no, if you wait just a second, I'll take you to the toy store where they have way better dolls. But the girl demanded that. So the father said, okay, well, if that's what you really want, then I'll give you what you really want. But you're missing out on what's, you're settling for what's good instead of taking what's great. And I think the Lord does that in our lives quite often. Where he's like, I got great for you, but all you ever want is just good. Don't miss out on what he has for you because of unbelief, because of fear, because of fear. Fear will rob you of so much. Fear will rob you of days and months, years of your life. And I believe things that the Lord may have in store for you, blessing. It did for the children of Israel. So, that's what they want. So God's going to let them have what they want. And he says, pick 12. Okay. One from each tribe. Verse three. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out 12 men, all the tribal leaders from Israel and from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. These were the tribes and the names of their leaders. So you got Reuben, that's the tribe of Reuben. And the leader from his tribe is Shamua, son of Zakur. Then from Simeon, you have Shaphat, son of Horai. You have from Judah, you have Caleb, the son of Jehunaheth, if that's how you say his name. I don't know, but Caleb's the dude. Caleb is like the man, okay? Caleb is the man, okay? Like, there's two guys on this list. Caleb and, jo- and Joshua, like, hands down, two of the, the, the baddest dudes in the Old Testament, for sure. Caleb, for sure. Caleb's like 80 years old, and he's like, I'm going to go kill giants. Like, bring on the giants. 80-year-old man, he's like, I'm going to go kill them. Like, I don't care, right? And so I, I love that. Caleb, he comes from the tribe of Judah. From the tribe of Issachar, you have uh, Igal, son of Joseph. Ephraim, uh, Hoshea, son of Nun, which would be Joshua. Okay, Hoshea, it would be, Moses called him Joshua. You got Benjamin from the tribe of Benjamin. It's uh, Paltai, son of Raphua, Zebulun. You have Gadiel, son of Sadai. I think that's how you say it. Manasseh, son of Joseph. You have uh, 
Gadai, son of uh, Sushi. Sushi? Oh, man. I don't know, but that's that, that makes me hungry. Um, <laughs> haven't eaten all day. Uh, Dan, the tribe of Dan, you got Emil, son of uh, Jamali. I don't know. Um, my Italian just came out. Jamali. Uh, Asher, you got Sether, son of Michael. Naphtali, you got uh, Nachbi, son of Bosi, I think. Gad, Gayuel, son of Mackay. Anyways, that's their names. That's who they are. If I butchered their names, it's okay. I don't even know if how many of these. I know for sure two are in heaven. Two of the 12 are in heaven. I know that. Uh, and I know how to say their names. Um, anyways, I should get better at this, but you know, it's okay. Verse 16. These are the names of the men Moses sent out to explore the land. Moses called Hoshea, or uh, son of Nun, by the name of Joshua. Okay? So Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like. Find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like uh, open camps? Is the soil fertile? Or poor, are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops as you, uh, the crops you see. It happened to be the season for harvesting the first ripe grapes. So Moses is just laying it down for these guys. He's like, you're going to go explore the land. Let us know what it's like. Because you've got to remember, none of these people have been to Israel. None of them have been to Israel. They've all grown up in Egypt. So they, they, they may have an idea of what a Mediterranean type coastal land is going to be like, but they don't know. So he's like, take good notes and bring back some stuff. Let us know what it's like. There you go. Verse 21. So they went up and explored the land from the wilderness of Zin, as far as Rehob uh, near Labo Hamath. Going north, they passed through the Negev and arrived in Hebron, where Ahiman, uh, Sheshiah, and Talmiah, all descendants of Anak, lived. Anak, those are, you know, giants, mighty warriors kind of guys, but technically giants. The ancient town of Hebron was founded seven years before the Egyptian city of Zoan. When they came to the valley of Eshkol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes, so large that it took two of them to carry on a pole between them. They also brought back samples of pomegranates and figs, that place was called the Valley of Eshkol, which means cluster, because the cluster of grapes, the Israelite men cut there. So they got one thing of grapes that two of them had to carry. Like, where are these grapes? They're like, is this at Costco? Like, where, where can I find these grapes at? Because at the rate my kids eat grapes, I need these grapes, right? Like, or it's like one grape is going to satisfy them, I guess. But this is like, it's, it's an abundance. It's exactly what God said it was going to be. Look at Look at there. It turned out to be exactly what God said it was like. So his word is true. You can trust in it. He's like, I'm sending you to your homeland where it's flowing with milk and honey, which means it's flowing with abundance. Oh, you think the fish is good in Egypt? You want, you desire the leeks? And the cucumbers, like, and the onions, like, that's what you've been crying about for two years now. And they're bringing back this bushel of grapes, this, like, bunch of grapes that two of them had to, to carry. It was everything that God said it would be. Everything that God said it would be. 
Verse 25, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. Right? That should have been enough. This march out this huge cluster of grapes and the whole community should have been like, let's pack our bags. Let's go. However, this is their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces, right? So it's like God is true, but there it is again, but the people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. We saw giants there. The descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites. They live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast in the Mediterranean Sea and all along the Jordan Valley. So here's their report. This is coming from 10 of the 12. They're like, yeah, 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 the grapes are good, but we got a problem. There's, they're, too, they're too strong. They're too strong for who? Too strong for you? Are they too strong for God? Who's, whose command was it? Wasn't, was it not God's command to go into the promised land? And, and they're going to liken these guys, they're, they're going to liken themselves to like, we were like grasshoppers. And they're, they're about to say this. We were like grasshoppers in their sight. The sad reality of that is the enemy is like a grasshopper in God's sight. Perspective is everything. Perspective is everything. And if you and I are going to stand on this side of the, this side of the equation and evaluate things through our own strength, and ability, you're going to miss out on so much. We will miss out on so much. When God calls us to go and to do something, he's not saying like, okay, here's what I want you to do. Now, good luck. Figure it out. He said, no, I'm, I might be calling you to do something because I already have plans for you to have victory in this thing. But sometimes we look at the enemy and the threats. We're like, it's too much. It's too much. Too much for who? So that's their report. However, here's a good but. Caleb, verse 30. He tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. He's like, zip it. He's like, stop talking. Stop it. Negative Nancy's. He's like, you guys go away. Like, no, what are you doing? Here's one man. Technically, it's him and uh, Joshua. It's two verses 10. And they're like, no, let's go at once and take the land. We certainly, we can certainly conquer it. He believed in God's ability, not his own ability. He believed in God's strength, not the strength of Israel. The Israel was not, they weren't trained warriors, so to speak. Now they were assembling an army and they, they set aside the men who were of age to fight. And I'm sure there was some technical training happening in the wilderness up until this point, maybe. But Caleb, he wasn't, 
he wasn't looking at the situation based on his strength or Israel's strength. He was looking at it based on what God had already said. He said to do this. He said he would make a way. He said, it's ours. Let's go on the promise of God. Unfortunately, sometimes the bigger crowd, the louder crowd wins out. Even when it comes to common sense. The, the louder ones, sometimes it, it, the louder they are, it, sometimes when people hear the louder voices, they assume that that's like truth. And that's what we should go with. That's not the case. That's not always the case. Here's two men who are standing for truth, and you got 10 men who are reacting out of fear. And the whole nation of Israel is going to align themselves with 10 instead of aligning themselves with the word of God. Verse 31 says, but the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who, who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We saw giants there, descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. How do you know what they think? How in the world do you know what anybody else thinks? No, no, no. They were huge. They were huge. And how close were you to them? Like, were you walking next to them? Like, were you, like what, what, what is the process going on in your mind? Oh, this is just an assumption you are making at a distance. They look really big. Yeah, they probably are big. They're giants. They're larger than the average size man. Yeah. Doesn't mean anything, though. And they just totally derailed the whole thing. This is where everything changed for them. Everything changed for the nation of Israel here. I can tell you this, trusting in God, trusting in his word, what he has already said, uh, there's no problem bigger than your God. There's no problem bigger than God. None. None. There's no problem that will show up in your life that God himself was not already aware of. Okay, I don't know how all that will work out for you. But I do know this, there are no surprises with God. He has never at one point in time ever been surprised. He knows everything. A little note I made for myself here is the church needs more Caleb's. We need more. We need more people who are like, this is what the word of God says, we should do it. What God says, we should do it. Who are bold who are courageous, who are willing to go into battles, not afraid of who that enemy or that threat might. Because we don't go in our own strength, not by might nor by power, but what? by my spirit, thus saith the Lord, Zechariah. That's it, man. That's what fuels us. We need more, more Joshua, more Caleb's. So you have that. And then this, this uh, unbelief, because it, it goes from like, and here's the promise of God. And then the people are like, we don't, we don't really care what God says. Because what's in front of us, this tangible thing, tells us that we don't stand a chance. Hope 
I'm so grateful that I have the ability to tune into life-changing truth from the messages of Pastor James Grizzle right here on Bread for the Broken. It's like water to my soul. I'm in an unusually busy season of my life where if I'm not careful, I'll just shrivel up. At least that's what it feels like. Have you ever been there? Maybe it's God's way of telling me that I need Him. Not activities, Him. Not entertainment, Him. You get the idea. I'm not saying that these things are necessarily bad, but how long will I make God wait? He is patient for sure, but He also has a purpose for my life. If I decide to do things that aren't in line with Him, you can bet that He's going to check me on it. He'll keep me in the desert as long as need be, like He did with the Israelites after they escaped from Egypt. But I can take comfort in the fact that I'm in this space because something needs to happen within me, so I can be more like Him. If this message has resonated with you at all, would you consider donating to this ministry? You can find information on our website, breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, take a look around. Again, that's breadforthebroken.com. We think it's important to magnify the name of Jesus at all ages. So why don't you come out and meet Pastor James Grizzle and everyone else here? Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary, Galveston, located in Galveston, Texas. It's our prayer that you're finding hope and new life in Jesus through the teaching of Scripture. Make plans to join us again, right here on Bread for the Broken.